Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Good morning. How are we doing? Good to see you this morning, virtually, of course. Coming from you from the great blizzard of Alt-22. I guess we've we've weathered the 1.2 inches of snow and ice. Let me know. Did you get a bunch of snow at your house? Laura's going to help me out with the comments here in a few minutes. But let me know. How much uh, how much snow did you get where you were at? I think I'm going to say maybe a solid inch is probably what we got at our house. Of course, mixed in with ice. Hey, Lisa. Good to see you on Instagram. Um, so let me know. Give me a guesstimate how much. I, I saw Matt. He said he they got almost about three inches up there in... Uh, in Greycourt area, close up to Greycourt. Hello, I see Miss Suzanne, Miss Sarah, Miss Maddie, Miss Shirley, Mr. Toby. Good to see y'all. Hope you're doing well. Hit the new messages for me. That way it'll scroll down. All right. Well, trudged through this, trudged through the snow over here to make sure we could do this broadcast. Just wanted you to know that. Fought through thick and thin. Made, put on my snowshoes. Five inches. Five inches, Suzanne? Wow. That's a lot of snow. That's that's snowman making snow. Naomi and I and Laura, we went out in the snow yesterday. We made some snow. Hey, Lillian, good to have you on today. Uh, we went and made a snowman, and our snowman was about that big. So, that's about how much snow we had. A lot of ice mixed in with it, too. It gives it a good crunch. <laughs> I tell you what Naomi's favorite thing was... This was her first snow, uh, was eating the snow. So, at you know, in the evening time before she went to bed and we were playing in the living room, uh, Laura kept bringing in a little bit of snow sitting on this towel. And she would walk over there and get some snow and eat it and then go do her thing and come back. But, hey, I enjoy it. I think it looks pretty for sure. I could care less for the snow if it's going to knock out power or if it's going to knock things out or make it where people can't get places. But it is pretty. It is fun to watch. All right, nonetheless, we're on session number six today of this series, When You Pray. We're going to be talking about 12 action steps in prayer. We've been talking a lot about understanding biblical principles of prayer. What is prayer? Why we have to pray in faith. Why we must pray according to the Word of God. Uh, prayer is not just us throwing up, throwing up, you know, yelling at God or begging Him to do this or that. Prayer is an is an intelligent, intentional conversation with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is an intelligent, intentional conversation, conversation, conversation with prayer. And so we've been talking about scriptural, biblical reasons for why we should pray, why we should pray why we should pray on purpose, why, why we should go before God faithfully in prayer. And we're going to continue all this week, starting today, of course, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all this week, 12 p.m., we're going to be continuing and finishing up our study on prayer. And today we're talking about 12 action steps you can take in prayer. And I want to give you, hey, Rick, good to see you on YouTube. Miss Shirley Cook, good to see you as well. Uh, I want to give you some actionable steps that you can take in prayer. Maybe, maybe you've prayed uh, and you thought, man, you know what? I've prayed about everything I could possibly pray about. It must have been, tell me if this has ever been you. You pray and you're praying to God and you're, you're, you're going before the Lord and you're praying to Him and you pray about everything you possibly could think about. Everything you could bring before Him in prayer. And then you look down at your watch and it's been seven and a half minutes. 
and you think, my Lord, what else am I going to talk about? Right? Well, I want to give you some actionable steps, some actual disciplines or activities, things that you can put in and apply to your prayer life that will cause you to have a fruitful prayer life. You know, we've, we've been reading uh, two main scriptures, and we're going to start again in Matthew chapter uh, 6, and then we're going to look at Mark 11 as well as our main text. We're going to continue to read these off and get them down in our spirits, get them down in our souls, renew our mind to them. But this whole teaching is spurred off of what the disciples asked Jesus. The disciples asked Jesus, out of all the things that the disciples saw Jesus do, multiply food, you know, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, successfully stump and stumble the Pharisees and scribes in matters of the law and the prophets. Yet, what did they ask Jesus to teach them? Lord, teach us to pray. And so he, could, he tells them how to pray. We looked last Friday at the model prayer that Jesus created. He gave it to us. Many people call it the Lord's Prayer, but it really it's the disciples' prayer. And it's the model prayer that he told us when they said, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, I'll teach you. This is how you do it. And it's not just you know a, a, a phrase or, or a couple sentences that you memorize and just say word for word and it's a you know magic spell and that's it. That's not prayer. Prayer is engaging God intentionally and scripturally and faithfully. And he gave us a model. Look, go before the Lord and worship and then pray the will of God. Then ask, then forgive, then lead, then deliver, then praise again. And so he gave him this model. But there's some more action steps I want to give, give you concerning prayer. And uh, of course, before we start, we're about to start here in just a second or two. If you haven't shared the broadcast, go ahead and share the broadcast on Facebook. Uh, go ahead and like on YouTube, on Facebook. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, do that. We want to grow that. We want to grow our YouTube channel and audience so we can get the gospel and the teaching of the word out to as many people as possible. And when you like the page or subscribe to it, uh, you get notified when uh, anytime we're coming live. All right, so let's get started. Matthew chapter six, verse five. Matthew six, verse five. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, the fakers, the pretenders. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and, shut, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Mark 11 and verse 24 is our second theme scripture. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Twelve action steps to prayer. Twelve action steps that you can take in prayer. And I want us to just get right into this list. It's probably going to be a two-part. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's going to be two parts. You're going to have to come back tomorrow at 12 p.m., to get the second part of this list. Because when I saw the when I when I was putting this together and I thought, well, there's 12 action steps, and the way I like to get on one action step, I'm thinking, ah, I'm not even gonna pretend I'm gonna get through all 12 today. It just ain't happening. So we're this is part one. And so we're gonna begin with the first one. And I, of course, I want you to comment along, uh, comment each one, put in the comment section these action steps. It's gonna help you remember, it's gonna help people when they come back and they watch the replay, they'll remember as well. All right, the first action step in prayer that we see in Matthew 6, verse 5, become silent. I want you to type that in the comment section for me. Become silent. Become silent. If you're listening to the podcast, say that out loud wherever you're at. Become silent. Notice this. 
Matthew 6, verse 6 from our theme scripture. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The first step that you need to take when you pray is to get silent. Get before God. Remove the distractions. Remove the distractions. That would be, that'd be something good to write in the comment section. Remove the distractions. Whatever that looks like, practically speaking, we're doing a spiritual work here. Prayer is a spiritual thing. When we pray, we are engaging our Father, who is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and truth. John chapter 4 tells us that. Jesus told us that, written in John 4. So we're doing a spiritual work. We're coming before God, who is a spirit, and we're connecting with Him by faith in our spirits. But that doesn't mean it does away with the soul or the body, right? We are spirit, we have a soul, and we live in this body. Don't get it reversed. So when we go before God in prayer to do this spiritual work, we've got to remove distractions, whatever that looks like. You, you know, you're not going to have a successful prayer life if you always pray in front of the TV when it's on, right? You, you're not going to be able to sit in the living room praying with the TV blasting and have a productive prayer life, okay? Well, you said I can't pray. I can only pray, play, you know, when I get in my closet or something. I'm not saying that you can only, there's one place where God hears your prayers in your prayer closet. That's not what I'm saying. The point I'm making is to have a consistent, disciplined prayer life, you are going to have to set yourself aside to encounter God and have an expectation of that. You should actually expect to encounter God when you pray. You should expect God to, to hear your prayers and that you're communing with God and connecting with God and doing business with God. And in order to do that, you need to remove distractions. Turn the cell phone off. Put it in the other room. Don't put, you know, put the cell phone in the other room, but don't leave your smartwatch on so that it zaps you over here. I'm telling you, when you go to pray, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever time you're going to set yourself aside to pray, the world can live without you in your interaction through social media, through answering emails, through answering phone calls for 30, 45, an hour. They, they will get by. I promise you, they, we will limp by for that short amount of time. But you're going to have to remove distractions. This is why, I mean, I, I said this earlier last week, but I pray with an open Bible. I'm always praying. I, if I'm going to pray, I've got my Bible with, with me. I pray with an open Bible. And, and the reason I love to have a, look, I've got an iPad that has tens of thousands of dollars of resources on it. I mean, just a massive, deep digital library and it's so good for study it really is but i just love my paper bible more i love my paper paper bible more because i've never got a ding so and so just commented on a picture you posted when i'm right here i don't get distracted you know and i know we it's 2022 we've got technology for everything right we can watch tv on our fridge if we wanted to we there's they put tvs in the fridge we're constantly being distracted. We're constantly being given something to make our eyes go one way or the other. You, you, when you go before God, get silent before God and set your focus and your vision and your faith on Him, on His Word. To, look, you should pray with your family. You should pray with your spouse. You should pray with your children. You absolutely should. You should do that, but that shouldn't be your only time of prayer. There's sometimes that you need to steal away by yourself and pray. You should pray in church. Corporate prayer is powerful. There is a powerful anointing to cor corporate prayer, but that shouldn't be the only time you pray. Really, prayer with your spouse, you know, prayer with my wife, prayer with my daughter, prayer with my church, that's icing on the cake. But the, the seven-layer cake is my praying daily during the week so that when I come to church, man, I'm charged up. I'm on fire. I've got the anointing on me because I've been spending time with God in prayer. 
and that requires you to become silent. You've got to remove the distractions. A lot of y'all commented that in the comment section. I want you to look at this. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Man, I feel this. That you, some, people, some people miss the spiritual realities, the power of spiritual realities, because they see the practical application and think, well, that's too simple. Some people miss this massive blessing from God because it looks like a very simple natural human action. And they think, oh, it can't be that simple when it really is. You mean to tell me just removing, removing distractions from, from where I'm at to pray is going to make a difference? Absolutely. You'll actually engage God as opposed to having your phone yeah, Lord, I praise you, God. Lord, I'm, I'm thank you for this day. Ding. Oh, I got, you know, I got to get this text back. I, I'm, hold on, God. Hold on. And then the next thing, what happens after the text? Oh, email. Oh, yeah, what was that thing I was searching on Amazon again? And then the next thing you know, your 30-minute prayer time has been 22 and a half minutes of text, email, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Amazon, Google search. Why is it that the sun... Uh, you know, or why is it that the moon is only full three days of the month? Why at that point, when you have set yourself to pray, you do, you've allowed yourself to hit so many distractions that now the prayer time's gone and you don't get time back? Then, the, the, well, I got to go now. I got to go to work. You know, I, I got to go do this. I've got this obligation. I've given my word to be here to help this person. And what's happened? I've allowed all these time stealers to take my prayer time. I have allowed time stealers to take my prayer time. But notice this, remove distractions, Isaiah 26.3. We talked about praying the prayers, uh, praying the names of God earlier this week, or last week. If you missed it, go back and check them out. But uh, in Jesus' model prayer, we talked about, you know, Pastor created that outline that has all the names of God in it. And one of them is Jehovah Shalom, that our God is the God, our peace. And this is a passage of scripture I pray every single day. Isaiah 26.3 You, Lord, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How does God know that I trust him? Because I keep my mind on him. Can you see that? Removing distractions, the natural application of removing distractions of getting things out of the way, of turning the TV off, of putting the cell phone on do not disturb, to getting somewhere. You know, I pray early in the mornings before my wife and daughter get up, and I go downstairs. We have an extra bedroom, and it's got a little sofa in there, and I'm in there with a lamp and a Bible, and that's where I pray. I like to pray early in the mornings, and I like to keep all the lights off except for one so I can see my Bible. Why don't I turn on the whole all the lights? Because then I'll see something that I forgot to do yesterday. And in my prayer time, I will find myself finally folding those clothes Lord told me to fold and put away. But why am I doing that at 5.42 a.m. on a Monday morning when I could be praying? I can fold clothes anytime. But if you don't steal away time to pray, if you don't make time and appoint time to interact with God, it ain't going to be given to you. Satan will send distractors along your way. Satan loves to send distractions so that you can't keep your mind on God. But if you'll just task your thoughts, if you'll just set yourself, Lord, the next 30 minutes I'm yours. And I, and I thank you. I set my mind on you. I think, you know what? Now that I think about you, Lord, I think I realize, you know what? You are my peace. I think, and then you just enter into a time of praise in a time of worship. That takes me to my second point. Second action step in prayer. Give adoration. A-D-O-R-A-T-I-O-N. Give adoration. Give adoration. That's the second thing you can do in prayer. The second thing, once you get silent, get before God, the second thing you need to do is give adoration. You begin to worship God. Now, now worship is like prayer. Uh, again, here we are, we're on session six, and we still, all we will do, all we will cover 
from these two weeks, these 10 days of studying prayer is a very, very general overview of prayer because prayer is so deep. Prayer is so large of, a, of, a, of, a, of the way of the life of the believer in the Bible that we just can't mind the depths of it completely. But there's, just like prayer, there's different kinds of prayer, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, actually, a different kind of prayer. There's prayers of faith, prayers of petition, prayers of intercession, prayers of supplication. There's prayers of praise and worship. There's all kinds of prayers. Well, there's also different kinds of worship. And one of the types of worship I want you to see is adoration. What does it mean to adore someone? It means to set your affection on someone. Adoration means to set your affection I set my affection on God. I begin to magnify God and declare who He is in His presence. That's what adoration looks like. You, in prayer, you should, I mean, you should visualize yourself in the presence of the Father who is enthroned in glory. And here I am in the courts of His tabernacle. I'm in the heavenly places, the secret place where He's found. And I begin to adore him. Father, you are mighty. There is none higher than you. You are the strongest of the strong. You are the wisest of the wise. You are the most kind of the kindest. None compare to you, Lord. Lord, you are seated high above all principalities and powers. No other throne comes close to you. You begin to give God adoration. I want you to see this. Psalms 95. Psalms 95. Oh, come, verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Sing it while you pray. Have a time where you sing. Well, I don't sing very good. It's all right. The Lord gave you that voice. Just worship him with it. We're not recording a Grammy. We're not recording a, you know, a, a, a platinum record. Just begin to love God and sing. Well, I sound a little silly when I sing. Well, God might get a good laugh out of it. He, he will enjoy knowing that you're not comfortable for singing, but here you're going to sing a song for him. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Roll right there. Look, I'm not making fun of anyone, but your prayer, does, your prayer time doesn't always have to be. Especially if you're by yourself. Now look, if you're praying and the rest of the house is asleep, I don't necessarily would advise you to go Jericho march up and down the halls, you know, banging pots and pans, making a, up a worship song. You know, do everything within reason. You're going to be in marriage counseling if you do that. Then you will, you will have some more things to pray about. Lord, why won't my wife love me? Because you keep hitting pots and pans at 2.30 in the morning. You know, okay, when you're before the Lord, take time. You want to shout joyfully? Shout joyfully. There's an appropriate time to shout during times of prayer. There's an appropriate time to sing when you're praying. Sing. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Look at this. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. What are psalms? Spiritual songs. But you could take the entire book of psalms and, and bring them joyfully before God. Verse 3, for the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his and he made it. His hands formed the dry land. You know, we look out, we see the depths, we see the valleys of the earth, and then we see the high mountains of the earth. We see the vast seas and oceans, and we see the plains and the deserts and the forests. We are talking. We are connecting and communing and getting answers and revelation from the creator of those things. We see the magnitude of mountains and valleys, seas and dry places. And I know the one who formed it. And he answers my prayers. And at any time by faith, I can be in his presence. Wow, that's powerful. That's why it causes you to give adoration. Verse 6, oh, come let us worship and bow down. When's a good time to bow down? When you're praying. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are his people 
We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand today, if you will hear his voice. Wow, that's powerful. Give God adoration. When you're you're in prayer, give God adoration. He is deserving of it. He deserves worship. His presence, you think about it, the presence of God demands worship. The Bible actually says, God says that if we don't worship, if people don't worship God, that the rocks and trees will cry out because his holiness, his beauty, the majesty of who he is demands worship. And within us, there's something that cries out to God. Let it out. Let it out in prayer. Sing, shout, bow down, worship, kneel. These are all actions in prayer. These are all ways to give God adoration. These are all ways that your spirit connects with God. Your spirit connects with God. You want to you make the, the needs, and I'm not making light of anyone's needs. I understand people have real needs, and they have to have an answer from God. By the way, he's going to give you your answer today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not making light of people's needs. But when you come to God and you've got serious needs, they become so small. They become so small when you begin to give God adoration, when you begin to praise God, when you begin to magnify. The psalmist said, let us magnify. Come and magnify God with me. What does it mean to magnify God? Well, think about it. If you've got a magnifying glass which I always had one because that's what I could use to start fires with or burn ants on anthills when I was a little boy, right? And I would pile up some dry leaves and use that magnifying glass and I could start a fire with it because I couldn't play with matches. So I had to find a way to improvise to be able to still start fires. (laughs) If you have that magnifying glass, what does it do? Does it make, you know, if, if I'm using a magnifying glass to read this scripture, it makes the words appear bigger. Does it make the actual words bigger? The magnifying glass doesn't go in and make these words on the page bigger physically. It doesn't expand the ink on the page. It just helps me see the words on the page because it reflects, it magnifies what I'm looking at and makes it a larger portion. It brings it up to a bigger scale. When you begin to give God adoration, and you magnify God. It's not that I'm pumping God up. I'm, you know, I'm trying to work God up like like the the men around a you know heavyweight boxers going into the ring and he's he's jumping through, he's coming, and the the guys are beside him. Yeah, you're the best, you're the champ, man. This guy ain't got nothing on you. And he's coming in, yeah, that's right, he ain't got nothing on me. We're not we're not working God up. God doesn't need to be worked up. He doesn't need to be pumped up or charged up. We need to be pumped up and charged up. And when we begin to give God worship and give Him glory and give Him adoration and adore Him and magnify Him, He gets so much bigger in our understanding, in our heart, in our life. It's, it, it, it makes everything else that's trying to distract us, trying to steal away our faith, look so small. It's what happens in Numbers 13 and 14. The Israelites, they have been given the promised land. They've been given the promised land. And Moses sends 12 spies, one man from each tribe. They come back. Ten spies, they give an evil report. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who had a different spirit, the Bible said, a spirit of faith, they gave a righteous report. What do the ten evil spies and their evil report consist of? The land is good. It is filled with milk and honey. Problem though, there's giants and real big walls. And we, the scripture says, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Not we are grasshoppers. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We saw those big guys and we felt puny. The different spirit that Joshua and Caleb had, the spirit of faith said, if God said we can take the promised land, 
Let's not delay. Let's go right now and take it. They had magnified the word of God in their eyes. They had given God adoration. They said, hey, God said we can do it. Let's not, why are we standing around talking? Why are we standing around talking right now? Let's go do what God said we can do. Because if God has given us the land, surely, regardless of what our eyes see, God has removed their defenses and we'll eat them like bread. It matters in your prayer life that you magnify God, that you give God glory, that you worship God, that you adore God. Hey, it's good to see you watching from Kenya. God bless you. All right, third step. Third step. Third action step in prayer. Make confession. Make confession. Make confession. I want to look at this in two different ways. Make confession is the third action step you can take in prayer. I want to look at, at this step on two different sides. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, you probably know this, but read along with me. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all, forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, if you're before the Lord, you've prepared yourself, you're silent before God, you're there before the Lord, you're in His presence, and you begin to worship God, if there's anything that's not right, God's going to reveal it. And this is a good thing. Don't, don't be fearful. I don't know if I want to pray to God. He might tell me I'm going to have to change. Gladly receive correction. The book of Hebrews says that God is our Father, and because He's a loving Father, He disciplines His children. Loving fathers discipline their children. This is something I'm having to learn that I don't like doing, but it's necessary. I, I don't like disciplining Naomi. It doesn't bring me joy to bring the hammer down, right? But I, it's necessary for her benefit. If I truly love her, I'll discipline her. No, we're not doing that. No, that's not, you know, whatever we need to do to reinforce that correct discipline. A little popular there. Amen. Amen. I know some people may, well, I don't know about that spanking thing. No, no, no. You know, spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm not hurting my child by any means. It would actually be to hurt. What was the last scripture you read? The last scripture I read for point number two, uh, or point number three, Lillian, if you're talking about third point, make confession, it's 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9, I just read. 1 John 1, 9. So it's necessary. It's necessary for us to be corrected. If I pray that so often, Lord, if I'm wrong, correct me. I want to be rebuked. I don't, want, I don't want to do things that will bring rebuke. Good to see you, Debbie. Glad to have you on this morning. Good morning to you. I don't want to do things that bring a rebuke. I want to be clean. I want to be pure. I want to walk right. But if I'm in the wrong, Lord, show me. I want to be quick to repent. I don't want to make up excuses. Well, Lord, you know why I did this. I did this or that because of this reason. No, no, no. I'm not going to make up excuses. Making an excuse or giving a reason for why you did the wrong just means you're unrepentant. It just means I'm unrepentant. If I'm wrong, my goodness, I'm just wrong. And you've got it. That's, that's something you have to discipline yourself to do. Your soul and your flesh don't want to do it. Your soul and your flesh wants to be right. Well, I, I mean, I know I said that, but uh, this is why I said it. They shouldn't have done that. No, we, we walk at a higher level than that. We are the people of God. We carry the spirit and the presence of the living God. The Holy Ghost dwells in us. And we, if we do something wrong, we confess it. We confess it to God. If we need to, if it's necessary, we confess it to someone else. And, you know, make it right with the person we've hurt or wronged. But here's the thing. You're not going to get through worshiping God 
and have something wrong in your heart and begin to proceed on into prayer. If God reveals something to you, because here's the thing, when you're worshiping God, the Bible tells us He is enthroned in His praises, that the Lord is enthroned in the praises of His people. When you begin to worship God, you're building a throne of praise for Him, and He will be in His praises. Meaning that when you're worshiping God in prayer, you're in the presence of God. And God is holy. And no man shall see God apart from holiness. Meaning that if there's something that isn't right, if there's something we've said, thought, done wrong, if there's something that needs to be corrected, God's going to reveal it. it. His holiness will just make it seen. You understand? It's, it, it, it's kind of to the degree that uh, I would say it is. It would be the same when Adam and Eve, they had sinned, they know they did the wrong, and then God comes down to commune and walk in the cool of the day with them, and they hide. And, and Adam tells God, uh, we hid, Lord, because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? Right? And then, well, we sinned. They, they did what God said not to do. Sin wants to hide from the presence of God. Don't run. Don't hide. Confess it. Get it done. Just get it out. Lord, I did this and I shouldn't have done it. Just confess it, be done with it, and move on. And then, and then live by the Spirit. I want you to put that in the comment section as well. Type in the comment section, live by the Spirit, capital S. Live by the Spirit, capital S. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Talk in the Spirit. Think in the Spirit. God has empowered us. Man, I, I shared that, and that, the Lord turned that on in my spirit. So, uh, I think it was maybe in the third session last week. You were empowered to live holy. It is a doctrine of devils spewed out of hell that is circulated across the globe. This idea, you can do whatever you want, and God just doesn't care. No, God is holy, and he will make you holy. Well, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner, uh, dirty, rotten sinner. No, if you get saved, the Bible calls you. The Bible, not AJ, the, not this AJ, not this Bible, AJ Bible, but the Bible Bible calls you a saint because you've been changed by the power of God. So when you make confession, if something's wrong in your heart, man, you get that. You get that out, you get that clean, and you move on. And move on because God's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. He doesn't just forgive us and that's it. Who doesn't bring it back up? He forgives and cleanses. He gets it out. He roots it out. Here's what's so powerful. If God's showing something that needs to change and we haven't arrived yet, amen. There's, we got to keep the flesh under. Praise God. The flesh warreth against the spirit. We, we keep this flesh under. We continually renew this mind. We make these emotions obey the word. If, if God reveals something, it's for your benefit. If God brings a, a, a conviction in your heart, it's for your benefit. So that he can uproot it and remove it out. Because he doesn't just forgive. He cleanses. He cleanses. He removes it. He gets it out. And the Bible says that he removes sin as far as the east is from the west. And what, In other words, they'll never touch. And he keeps no remembrance of it. God actually does forgive and forget. Amen. And then we live by the Spirit. So when I'm saying make confession and prayer, there's two parts to this. If there's something that needs to be made right in your heart, get it right. Get it out. Get it clean. When you confess of a sin that sin no longer has a power over your life. That's a powerful reality, and it's so true. When you get it out in the open, you say it out loud, you repent of it, it no longer has a hold on you. It no longer has a hold because there's a spiritual work that just took place that God forgave and cleansed. But you can also make confession. Which What does confession mean? Confession means agreeing with God. Now, in the sense of Sin, we, we ought you know think confession why I'm owning up to what I've done wrong, which that is what confession is concerning sin. But why do we own up to what we've done wrong? 
because we see God said, don't do this, and I did it. So now I'm saying, Lord, I agree with you. What I did was opposite of what you say, and that was wrong. That's why it's sin. Why is sin sin? Because God says it is. Confession is agreeing with God. So there's two sides to confession. There's the repentant side that we bring something. If there's something wrong, we confess it, make it right with God, and agree with God that he is correct, he is right. You know what? You are convicting me. You are right, Lord. What I did wasn't right. That's why I'm getting convicted. Confession, though, is also agreeing with God in the sense of, Lord, I thank you that you empower me to walk in the Spirit so that I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And in time of prayer, you can confess who God says you are. Amen. Confess, Lord, I thank you that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Let me tell you something. You continue to do that in the presence of God. We saw that. Man, when I saw that in the book of Romans chapter 4, that it said that Abraham became who God said he was when he believed him in his presence. You know, that's what the power of confession is. When we're in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in us and dwelling in us, and we agree with God, we are changed to what God says we are. Praise God. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I agree, Lord. That's who I am. Amen. All right. Point number four. Point number four. I'm going to make this a two-part series, not three, so i got to get moving. Point number four, give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Anyone remember that old song? Give thanks. Give thanks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, 17, and 18. A little side note, when I was growing up in children's church, we would have scripture memorization contests, and every now and then we would have a Saturday party, pizza party, and they would buy all these pizzas, and they would cut up the pizzas in really small slices, really small slices. And they would give you about two weeks out, say, all right, two weeks from now, we're going to have this big pizza party. But the way that you're going to get pizza is you have to memorize scripture. And for each scripture verse you memorize, depending on how long it was, you would either get one or two or three points. And so many points would buy a slice of pizza. And of course, being a young man, I wanted to get a plate full of pizza. Uh, Still to this day, I'm a little bit older and I still enjoy a plate full of pizza. Amen. And so these would be some scriptures that, you know, you would think, oh, I'm going to get a whole lot of pizza because, you know, I'm going to memorize all these scriptures. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18, well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says rejoice always. Oh, man, I can remember that in 10 seconds. But here's the problem. They found us out. You know, Miss Margaret, Miss Sharon, Miss Beverly, Miss Tina, that were our children's church workers, Mr. Donnie, uh, they found us out. They realized that they we're going to have to exclude these small scriptures because, I mean, we would be just racking up all kind of pizza. I could walk outside, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, and walk in there, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Where's my pizza? You know, that oh, no, it's got to be a little bit longer than that. So anyway, side note, just to jarred my memory. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As fourth step in that, fourth action step in prayer, give thanks. Give thanks. Thank God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you brought that to light. I thank you, Lord, that, you know what, there was, wasn't something right in my heart. Thank you for revealing that, Lord. Thank you for doing Lord, I thank you that I can come before you and pray, God. Lord, I thank you that I can stand in your presence right now where I'm at and give you worship and give you glory. And I can ask you things and you'll show me great and mighty things. I thank you, Lord, that I can call on you and you will answer me and show me great and mighty things. I thank you, Lord, for the work of the Holy Spirit in me that will show me things to come. Give God thanks. Giving God thanks is just a measure of faith. It's showing God that you actually believe and trust He is who He says He is. Now, once you get to this place of giving God thanks, you're going to be in the flow of the... I mean, you're going to be in the presence of God. You're, you're communing with God. And what is He going to do? I just mentioned it, Jeremiah 33.3, 3, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. 
God's going to reveal his will to you. So the fifth thing you need to do in prayer, make supplication. Make supplication. S-U-P-P-L-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. If you're listening on podcast, say that out loud. Say supplication. Now that's a very, very, very Bible word. We don't use that word a lot, but we need to understand what that word is. Supplication, Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving. Here we are, we're praying. We just got done giving God thanks. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We give God supplication. What does supplication mean? It means to intercede, to stand in the gap, to pray for, to brood over. Uh, Maybe some of y'all, if you've ever raised chickens, uh, I've never personally had chickens, but I've been around several farms and seen my father-in-law a lot of times has chickens. And uh, my grandfather had some chickens at one time years ago. And that mother hen, she she has those wings, right? If, if she feels it's a little sums up, a little fishy, there's a predator, that mother hen will have those wings spread out like that and, and covering up her chicks, brooding over, covering over, sitting over, covering up. That's what we do in prayer. Again, we talked about Jesus' model prayer. We, we come to God and worship, and then we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Before it's the kingdom first law, we pray the kingdom first so that all these things will be added unto us. Before we get to my requests, which are totally right, God wants you to bring your request to Him. But before you do that, you need to stop and pray for the kingdom. Pray the will of God. Pray for people. So practically, what does that look like? Have a list. Write it down. I'm believing God. You know what? I'm believing for cousin so-and-so, Lord. Lord, you know they're back crazy and they need to get saved. No, I'm just kidding. No, no offense to back crazy cousins out there. <laughs> no, in all seriousness. Make a list. Write people down. Lord, I'm believing for this person to be saved. I'm believing. That's interceding, standing in the gap. I'm believe, Pray. Supplication is actually mentioned three times more than intercession. Intercession is part of supplication. And intercession means to stand in the gap on behalf of someone. Supplication means, think of the word supplement. You know, I've got some juice right here, and it's got vitamin C in it. 100% of the vitamin C I need today, right? Well, what is that? That's supplementing. What I would eat might have so much vitamin C in it, but this juice will help me supplement and boost up that vitamin C I might not get as much when in other places I need. Think of it in the same way as a protein shake or vitamins that you take or a green juice shake you take. Why are you doing that? To boost up the protein or boost up the vitamins and minerals. You're supplementing what you eat because your food might not have everything you need. Okay? Supplication is you're boosting up, praying for, helping others in the spirit through prayer. And you and I, every person is required to supplicate, to make supplication, to pray for the church. Pray for your church. I know, you know, we got a lot of different people watching today. We've got Gospel Tabernacle folks, but we have other folks that are, hey, I'm so thankful that you're joining me today. And I believe you probably have your own home church. If you don't, come visit us. We'd love to have you. Sundays, 1030, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Love to have you. But if you have your own home church, where you go to church, where you're plugged in, Pray for your pastor. Pray Ephesians 6.18 over your pastor that he would have boldness to speak the word of God and make known the mysteries of Christ. Pray for your leadership. Pray for the nursery workers and the preschool workers and children's church workers and the youth, the teen ministers and the deacons and the elders, the hosting team, the ushers. Pray for the parking lot attendants. Pray for the people that clean the church. Pray for the church. Pray for your church. Pray for the body of Christ in this county. I do that. I start with my church. I will pray a prayer, and I'll say, I'm praying it for these people. And I'll call out people in my church or for my church. And then I'll go one out, and I pray for the body of Christ in my city, in my state, in my nation, and the nations of the earth. And I work my way out, supplicating. This is so powerful. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. This is what the Spirit of the Lord told Ezekiel. 
Ezekiel 22.30. The Lord says, So I sought a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. But I found none. God saying, Ezekiel, I looked for a man. I was looking for a watchman. I was looking for someone who would stand in the gap, who would make a wall so that I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. God is talking about judgment that came against Israel because of their sins, their disobedience. And the Lord is saying here, I looked for someone who would stand in the gap, who would build a wall of prayer and pray on behalf of the land so that I wouldn't have to destroy it. Uh, we see that with Abraham. Abraham does that with Sodom and Gomorrah. He goes before the Lord. The Lord actually goes to Abraham and says, How can I do this great thing in the land where Abraham lives that I've given him? Of course, Sodom and Gomorrah just filled with sin of homosexuality and perverseness. And God, the stench of that sin came to God's nostrils. And they just had so much wickedness and an overflow of it. And God said, I'm going to have to judge the city. And Abraham said, well, wait a minute. I know your nature, God. You don't judge the righteous for the unrighteous. What if there's 50? Will you judge this city? No, I won't do it. Not if there's 50. Well, there wasn't. And he worked his way on down to 10. And there wasn't 10 righteous in the whole city. But Abraham stood. He stood in the gap, reminding God, Lord, you, you book of Micah says this, you prefer mercy over judgment. And as Christians, one of the most powerful things we can do is to make supplication. And I see we're coming close on the 1 o'clock hour. I'm going to stop here. This is part one. We got through the first five. We're going to have seven more points tomorrow. Uh, but I want us to go ahead and do exactly what I'm talking about right now. If there's anything I can encourage you to do, hey, Miss Mary Jo, glad to have you on. If there's anything, I hope you're doing well. Uh, if there's anything I can encourage you to do, it's to pray for one another. Pray for the body of Christ. Pray for your church. Pray for leaders. 1 Timothy 2. We are to pray for leadership in our country, in our state, in our city. I want to tell you something. There are things that we see that are taking place right now that are coming to pass because somebody prayed it. There are changes and shifts in cities and states and nations. And it happens because someone first prayed. Someone got serious and got before God and petitioned and prayed and stood in the gap and built a wall of prayer. And that was the difference between revival somewhere or judgment. God, ha When sin comes about in a nation, one of two things must take place. Either the land must be revived or judged. But God being just cannot allow sin to go on forever. You know what? We need to pray for our nation. You know, that we need to pray that our nation would turn and repent as a whole. You, you see the news like I do. I don't watch news, but if you look on the news, you see stuff or craziness on social media. You hear things. You see what goes on in our nation, our state, and our city. People are dead in sin. They're lost and without God. But then also, it's not just interceding for the lost that we're going to do here in just a minute. We also need to pray for the church, the body of Christ in America. And every day, I've been praying prayers uh, for the body of Christ in America the past five days, the past five sessions. And I want to do that again today. And I want to pray from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I want you to see this. We're going to pray this for the church because it's necessary, because we must pray for one another. We're commanded to pray for one another. And when we pray for one another, God is using our prayer. Again, what is prayer? Another definition for prayer? Prayer is earthly license for heavenly encounters and invasions. Heavenly interaction. We are inviting by faith God to do His will in the earth. And it, it, as John Wesley said, it appears that God does no thing on the earth unless man first prays it. 
That's what he told Ezekiel. I'm looking for a man on the wall. I'm looking for a woman on the wall. I'm looking for someone to stand in the gap. Are you going to stand in the gap? I believe you are. That's why you're here. Monday, you know, at lunchtime, you could do anything you wanted to do. And you're watching a teaching on prayer. Because there's a, there's a burden inside of you, among other things, to learn about prayer. But I know there's a burden inside you like there is for me. To see the will of God come to pass in our church. In this church, the body of Christ in America, to see our nation change. And turn itself back towards God. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 is going to be our prayer point. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, notice this, do not cease to pray for you. What is Paul praying? For the church in Colossa, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. Let's pray. Wherever you're at, join me. And let's pray. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord God, that you are my creator and you are my father, Lord God. I thank you for these precious, precious people that are watching right now on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram that are listening on the podcast or watching the replay. Lord, bless them heavily, Lord God, as they turn their hearts and their minds towards you, Lord. And as they hunger after the things of God, after your righteousness, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to fill them overflowing. Let their cup be filled up to the brim and continually flowing over in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we do business with you, Lord. We pray your will. And this is your will. It's your word, Lord. We pray for our church, Gospel Tabernacle Church, and the churches in Lawrence County, the body of Christ in this city, in this state, in the nation of America, Lord, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will. Lord, may the teaching and preaching of your word prosper in the pulpits of the churches of America, Lord. If there's any pulpit, if there's any man or woman in a pulpit who will not speak the truth of God, Lord, let them be quickly removed, Lord. If there are buildings or community gatherings that people call church but won't teach the word of God, Lord, let them be shut down and moved out of the way. Let only the body of Christ who has a pure, holy desire for the things of God remain and let their voices of your word be amplified, Father God. Bless the work of our hands when it comes to sharing the word of God, Lord. Give each and every Christian, Lord, a boldness in our church, in our city, in the body of Christ, in our nation, Lord. Give us a boldness to speak your word so that we can be filled with the knowledge of your will. Lord, let wisdom and spiritual understanding enlighten the eyes of our heart, Lord God, so that we can walk worthy of you, Lord. Our desire is to walk worthy of you, Lord. May your spiritual understanding and your holy wisdom fill the body of Christ in this church, in this city, in this nation, so that we as people of God walk the walk of God, so that we can be fully pleasing to you, Lord, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing, never decreasing, only increasing in the knowledge of you, Lord. Strengthen us with all might according to your glorious power so that we are filled with patience, filled with long-suffering, joy, and give thanks in all things, Lord. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in us as a church, in us as the body of Christ, in us as believers in this nation, to see a strengthening and a building and a multiplying of the body of Christ. For it is through the men and women that believe Jesus and will tell someone that will shake this nation, Lord. Let us shake our nation with the power of God. Let us shake our nation with the word of God. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, type in the comment section, amen. I see you, Pastor, on Instagram. Amen to you. Bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Everyone on Facebook and YouTube, Thank you for joining me. We've got four more sessions tomorrow, Tuesday, 12 p.m. I hope to see you again. Of course, if you prefer the podcast, Gospel Tabernacle Church, Faith for My Generation, either one of those you can find. Subscribe to both. There's different stuff on both of them. And we'll be as as days to come. Nonetheless, 
You can always catch the replays of the previous episodes of this series and anything else we've done on our YouTube channel page and our Facebook page. Hey, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Stay safe in the great blizzard of Alt-22. Make sure you make a snowball or a snowman for me. If you've made some snow cream, make sure you eat it up for me. Think of me when you dip some more snow cream today. All right, I'll see you tomorrow, 12 p.m. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going to continue part two of 12 Action Steps in Prayer. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.